Blog Talk Radio. Forbidden archaeology, forgotten history, divination, magic, cryptozoology, UFOs, nature, science, and spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network. A candle is made to become entirely flame. In that annihilating moment, it has no shadow. It is nothing but a tongue of light. Describing a refuge. Look at this just finishing candle stub as someone who is finally safe from virtue and vice. The pride and the shame we claim from those. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Main Street Universe. That was a poem from Rumi, the Persian poet. Sorry, I was walking over to the soundboard. And tonight I will be discussing visualization. Those who are interested, those who are seekers in metaphysical practice and in mystical practice, are introduced usually quickly to the idea of visualization. Oftentimes this comes with a great deal of struggle. And so many people stray away from the practice going into some other metaphysical art form. We'll discuss that in just a minute. What are the problems with it? What are techniques involved And are there disciplines that can help? Then we may get to the true definition of what an actual visualization really is and what its actual purpose is. When we return right here on Main Street Universe, and these are our good friends, Woven Green with Six Sun. a network of many shows, including this one, the flagship show, the one on Wednesday, the one that started it all, Main Street Universe. Started a few years back with myself and Mr. Kevin Baird and now has blossomed into many shows. At one time, I think we had seven or eight, and we're about to have more than that. And I'll explain. What we've done is taken to having once-a-month shows. 
So Main Street Universe will be once a week. Green Magic, Green Medicine with Susan Weed will be once a week. Spiritual Insight with Darren Bouquet will be once a week. Science of Light, Mondays at 10 p.m. Eastern Time, will continue to be once a week. However, we already have begun some once-a-month shows, including Mary Phelan, who has returned to do her first show, and she will have another one coming up sometime in the near future. Jim and Ashley Cash of Woven Green, the band, and I think they're calling their show that, they do one Thursday a month. And sometimes, too, if something special comes up. So be sure to check them out. Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, follow Main Street Universe, the radio network here on Blog Talk Radio. Press follow, and you will get emails reminding you of when any Main Street Universe show is on. I would also like to remind you that Activating Compassion in the Midnight Hour was its formal name, and now it's Activating Compassion Radio. And that show is on still once a week, every Friday, at sometimes changing times, because Jessie is on a book tour, and she's as well doing workshops and things like this. So as she's traveling, she gets the show in weekly when she can. I think she's been doing it around 3 or 4 Eastern time. So look for it in the late afternoons. Activating Compassion Radio. She has so many amazing guests on her show, including I remember one of her early ones who ran a great animal survival charity up in uh, New York State. We may have a return of Queen Mother Maku once a month. And then, of course, our associate producer, Janice R. White, will be starting her show, Reflections and Rhythms. It's a women's spirituality show. And Janice is not here with us this evening, as she is feeling very ill. So send healing thoughts and energy to her, as she has requested it. And the meaning of that is some people believe that you don't actually send the healing energy unless requested, but a prayer a prayer is a prayer, and a prayer is okay. But that's getting technical, and inside the world of magic, I guess it's always good to think positive thoughts of someone and to pray for them. I don't think anybody will say that there's anything wrong with that. I was talking about some very specific magical techniques. Tonight's subject is visualization. For those who have been interested in metaphysics, magic, the occult, or mysticism, whatever words you are comfortable with, they usually, as I stated earlier, quickly run into the term visualization. The reason why I think this is an interesting topic to discuss tonight, A, is because it usually comes up in conversation while talking to those who engage in or are interested in engaging in some sort of metaphysical, magical, mystical practice. It's just one of those things 
that comes up because, honestly, to read about it, it sounds like the easiest thing in the world. Someone tells you to picture something strongly, throw some emotion and energy into it, and then you can make it a reality for yourself. In the physical world, manifest it. I'm sure you're all familiar with the movie and movies like it, like The Secret, that were, I'll call them open-door movies to one, or one might say an amalgam, wrapped up in a burrito, perhaps, of hermetic laws. They sort of wrapped it up into this burrito and served it up as the law of attraction. I have no real harsh criticism of that movie. There's a couple of things in it that I thought were a little silly. Um, However, I think it was probably a nice doorway for some people to explore metaphysical things. And some of what they said was, was not bad, a bit incomplete, and some would say a lot incomplete. But the law of attraction is something that's been called other things, the law of sympathy, law of similars. There's even a law of negative attraction. It's sort of a mix of different hermetic laws. And they kind of wrapped it up. And that's somewhat typical of a new age modern thought, I guess. And again, I have no real complaint about the movie. I think if you're if it inspires someone and opens a door for them to do more research, I believe in doorways, personally. And one thing they might have gotten right was to remind people that it should be a, uh, just about a daily practice. Enough about the movie The Secret, though. Um, again, I have criticisms of it, as well as it's it also I could see it being inspiring for some, so I'm I'm okay with that. Let's move on. Many people say that they struggle with visualization. This is very understandable because it's human nature, especially if you're new to somewhat struggle with meditation itself. And if visualization is part of your meditation, well then, of course, there's going to be some struggle involved. I'm speaking with my own words right now. I'm not really reading anything, though I will say some of the very simple information I'll be sharing tonight I got from multiple sources, and I will quote some of those sources, Some of them I might not remember. They were just from way back whenever. Some I will. The interesting thing about visualization is it's just like any other form of meditation. And that is it involves clarity, a clearness of your mind, getting rid of the surrounding baggage that will interfere with what you're intending to create, the images you're intending to create in your mind. 
This emotional barrier we'll discuss later. For now, let's discuss, to maybe get you interested, what's the value of good visualization? First of all, as I mentioned before, it is something that even if you don't believe in magic or mysticism whatsoever, it can have a positive influence on your life. Even if you're someone who is atheistic, agnostic, whatever the proper word is, for someone that doesn't believe in anything metaphysical at all, just what they see as the physical, scientific world, even if you're someone of that leaning, you can benefit a great deal from daily positive visualization practice. Because what it can start to do is start to set a sense of clarity towards your goal. And this is where you get these motivational speakers. Many of them are not, they're saying good information. Now some of them are charging way too much for their seminars. I don't even know if those days are, are, are among us anymore. I remember the days of you know Tony Robbins and all these other people that are out there. They're motivational speakers. They're trying to get people in the right frame of mind, in a success frame of mind. And as a whole, I think that's a positive thing. Even I've been guilty of watching some of them <laughs> at times. Sometimes it's nice just to hear somebody make you think you can, you can, you know, sort of a yes, we can. So sometimes it's good to hear those positive messages. At the same time, what some in the New Age movement are often extremely guilty of is not working on the shadow, not working on the dark side, or how to deal with the negative side. We'll get to that a little later. Back to what I was saying. Even visualization in a non-magical, non-mystical sense is an incredibly powerful tool. I've used it myself as someone being an artist. <laughs> Not that it has to be this way for an artist, I guess. But for someone, you know, I guess almost stereotypical writer, musician. When I was younger, I was prone to being very depressed all the time. And I, I used this sort of power power of positivity and visualization and meditation to change NLP, you know, neuro uh, linguistic programming, to change my default position. This doesn't mean that everything bad goes away. It means that the person dealing with whatever bad is coming now has a different perception of the bad that's coming. I'll give you an example. Instead of saying, this is hard, this sucks, say, this is a challenge, and it's going to require my skill. And I am highly skilled. So you start to change your default positions. And visualizing your successes can help you to do that and to help you focus on what they are in the first place. And again, we haven't talked about magical visualization yet. I've only talked about that this can be beneficial whether you believe in any of this mysticism or not. Perhaps that's why this conversation could be of value of anyone, and I know that some of my listeners 
are not of a mystical, metaphysical, magical, pagan, etc. background. And, and many are. So we've covered that for now. It can even help in non-magical ways. All those motivational speakers, all that think and grow rich, but to be honest with you, a lot of those people are mystics themselves. They don't talk about their mysticism in such quite an open way. But Napoleon Hill, I believe he was a high-level Mason. Earl Nightingale studied mysticism. Some of those great... I don't know about Carnegie, who was Napoleon Hill's predecessor. Uh, Wallace T. Waddles was a different. He was sort of a mystical Christian and talked about the law of opulence, very much like the law of attraction, seeing yourself as the magnet. But now let's get specifically back to how visualization can help even in a non-magical way. And then we'll get to the magical side of it and the discipline side. If you just start to tell yourself every day and and take take time and sit down and, and put yourself in a meditative state and see yourself being that thing you want to be and repeating it and saying it and programming your brain, NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming, changing your vocabulary, changing your language into a, into a productive language rather than a, a non-productive or, or victim or woe is me language. If you begin to do this, then even in a non-magical way, your actions start to follow it more than if you're the person that's always saying, well, gosh, here's why I can't do this. I've had so many band members, failed bands, they always have something negative. There's always a reason it can't happen. One thing I love about the current band I'm in, Dragon's Head, they usually think something positive can happen even if we have no idea how we're going to do it. And now we have a tour. So, they're the first time. And that's the difference. And it could be for anything. It could be to be a better employee or a better employer. It could be to be a better romantic partner. Okay, maybe I'll stop thinking about my partner's negative side and think about um, enhance the positive side of them and maybe I see that more often. Or it could be that you, you want to be a writer. And if you just keep writing every day and you keep thinking about it, keep calling yourself a writer, well, eventually... And then completely, I guess you might say, for those that don't believe in magic or metaphysics, non-magical way, well, there you are, it starts to happen. It can transform you, starting with a thought. So now let's get to the more metaphysical side of this for those who are seekers of mysticism, who are interested in mystical techniques, metaphysical techniques, casting spells, whatever terms make you comfortable. I've seen in in many books, what you might call New Age books, maybe even witchcraft books, occult books, books of mystical orders, some point they'll mention 
usually somewhat quickly, meditation and visualization. The reason I'm repeating so much and sounding so simple is because we're talking about something that sounds very simple that a ton of people struggle with. That's why my language is so simple. And it's kind of for people seeking. The first thing that I noticed as a seeker was they would breeze by how to become good at this thing. You said, whoa, whoa, visualize, you know, a rainbow of this, hitting that and then doing something else and then a, well, you know, X, Y, and Z. And, and then it would say, then meditate on this. Or it would say that before that, whatever the order is. The point being, but then they wouldn't say, okay, well, how do, how do I meditate? And those were my first thoughts. So then now I'm researching and trying to find a book on meditation before the Internet. So, or even on the Internet. <laughs> One of the luxuries now, we can we can do it much quicker. And, of course, if you do go online, and you, you will find a ton of different techniques that people like for getting into a meditation or even one could say a trance-like state. And for the purpose of magic and metaphysics, this is where we're getting to now. If you want your visualization to be effective and to materialize into reality, you should be in that meditative state. Maybe not everybody as deep as others. Some people get there quicker than others. Some people are just good at it. I think, too, <laughs> just like any other skill. Some people, I think, are just good at magic, like any skill in the world. We can all do it. We can all try it. I can be a baseball player, and I can play baseball. I can play second base pretty well, but nobody's going to pay me to do it, right? <laughs> However, let's shift back here. Being in a meditative state for your visualization to be effective. This, to me, is step one. I will very quickly share with you my personal favorite breath count meditation. Some people don't like to count. I prefer the breath count. Maybe it's because I'm such a daydreamy person. I like the the solidness of the numbers bringing me into focus. I realize different people are different, and there's a lot of meditations to look up there. The one I like is very simple, and I've shared it on the air before. After relaxing and sitting in just a basic normal chair, one with a straight back preferably, even lying down is fine if you're not going to fall asleep. As you advance, lying down can be highly effective. I, for one, don't do the fancy poses, the lotus and all of that. I'm impressed by people that do. I just, for one, I I just don't, and there's really no... no reason why but I know what I'm comfortable with I prefer more of like the Egyptian chair pose as they say you just sit in a chair hands in your lap feet on the floor not crossed keep them separate hands can just be relaxing in your lap or maybe some sort of mudra that you might like we'll get no need to get into that now 
Then a breath count. Breathe in through the nose. I'm using these numbers generically. The point is the repetition. Breathe in for a count of four. And here's what the important part is. The breathing in is shorter than the held breath. The held breath is just a little longer than the exhaled breath is considerably longer. So breathe in, let's say, a count of four. Hold it for a count of six. Then breathe out for a count of eight. Now it could be four, five, seven. It could be four, seven, eight. But in, hold for a tiny bit longer than was in initially. And then out considerably longer. It can even be more than eight. There's something about the exhale that's really powerful for me personally. And I even sometimes do, there's a, I think it's a Buddhist breath count where I, each time I'm done breathing eight, that equals one. And I count those to five. I'm not, I hope I'm not confusing you now. And then I start over again, never letting go past five. But I don't always add that element in. But if I really feel like I need to focus and stop daydreaming too much, I'll do that. The important part is is that your daydreaming abilities will come in hand, handy later. Your creativity and your imagination will come in handy later. You're kind of trying to quiet the mind. And I would say do that breathing exercise in for four, hold for five or six, out for eight or ten. Again, it's not the exact number count that matters. The most important part is that it, the in is held. It, it's in, then it's held for a tiny bit longer than the inhale. And the exhale is the longest one for the longest count. So say a four, six, eight. The truth is you can start with that for the first, say, five minutes and then just continue with really deep breaths. And as long as you're slow and steady, it'll probably be just fine and get you in the proper place. Clearing your mind, I know that's tough. A lot of people, it's another thing, they, they complain that they both can't see in their mind, and that they also can't clear it. Isn't that a funny thing? It reminds me of Albert Einstein when he joked and said, because he was known to be a bit messy, so he said, a cluttered desk means a cluttered mind. What does an empty desk mean? Haha. <laughs> so, now that we've discussed a very basic meditation technique, and they don't need to be complex, it's all, and this is the whole point of tonight's discussion, it is not about complexity of, of technique. It's not about correspondences, even though I love reading about that stuff. Uh, for basic visualization practice, I mean it's not about correspondences. I'm not being in any way disrespectful to people that have very detailed systems of magic. In fact, I'm reading a book on, on ceremonial magic like that right now, and I'm thoroughly enjoying it. There are so all those matching correspondences and at the right times and dates. It's, it's very detailed. It's very interesting and fascinating, and I, I love reading about it. I don't necessarily practice that way, but I, I could see why if you got all those things in order, you must feel like this spell must work. <laughs> so I totally get it. I just don't usually practice in that order of uh, manner of detail. Well, let's move on. Tonight is about simplicity of technique and practice, practice, practice. That's what tonight is about. 
takes me to my next part of this. I just have some notes here. I'm not really reading from anything but, but notes. Step two, after meditation. First, just start just by meditating without bothering to visualize anything. Just get into a daily meditative practice. I gave you one example. Try to have it be at the same time every day. I understand we're all busy and all that. <laughs> Step two, research and clarity. Research and development, perhaps you could call it. <laughs> Now that you've gotten used to a daily meditative practice, and I would actually say get used to a daily med meditative practice before you even bother with a good visualization in a metaphysical way. In your daily life, though, outside of the meditation, start to research what it is you really want. Uh, we can use the example of a musician again. Start to just picture that you're playing on stage all the time. Start telling everybody your band's doing well, whatever the, the case is. But And if you don't have one yet, start telling everybody you're going to. Get it into your daily stuff and do some research on it, whatever that thing is you want. If it's a house like this or something, then go look at one. Go physically look at one or look at pictures online. If it's... um a quality in yourself you want to change. Observe people that have the the other side of it. Talk to them, even. If you're like, man, I wish I could like do X, Y, and Z like, like that guy over there or that girl over there, well, we'll, I say talk to them. Do research and development on what you want to become. Look at a living example. Or if it's a physical thing, or physical activity you want, meaning, okay, now I'm, I, I'd like to live this life, or I'd like to be this, or I'd like to be an actor. Start, say, the actor example. Hang out on some independent movie sets or something. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It, I mean, if you have the time, I know this, some of this takes time and resources. Again, this is research and development for your visualization. <clears throat> but getting yourself in the environment. First, get yourself there. Show up. Like I said before, you want to be a writer? Show up to a writer's group. Doing good research in order to have a very clear, clear picture of exactly the result that you want. And metaphysically talking now, because that's where we're at now, we're talking now mystically, if it's healing and you want something to heal, you want to feel better, you want to have better energy, again, find out what the problem is, which is always good, and then see yourself not having it anymore. That, that, that can be very difficult for some people, trying to visualize the positive when they don't feel good. I have used techniques with some success but definitely needed the help of the physical world as well. And that is true. Now, before we get into image creating, before we get into 
what world you're trying to create for yourself and then see it in your mind and then have it in this life. Whatever that quality is, whether it's, I've said before, something in yourself, something you want to do, something you, you want to get over, whether emotional health, physical health, default position based on depression, a, a better default outlook, whatever the case may be. Romance could be a good example. Get around a good couple. Think of a couple you know that gets along really well. Kind of see how they work. Get, get a get a like I said. Get living examples of, of of whatever it is. Okay, back to what I was saying. Before we get into that, before you go and create this visualization, what I'd like to get into because this is something that I think in some of these books and in some of these lessons that that are out there, that they don't, as easy and as simple as they are, it's all about daily practice. Just like if you're learning a musical instrument, taking a martial art, learning a sport, and doing drills. This seems to be missing from some of the metaphysical teaching that I've read. Not all, but, but, but a lot of it. They'll quickly breeze over it and they'll say, meditate and then visualize this, and then, you know, throw a coin in the in the well or whatever and and, and it, it should happen. What I'm saying is that developing your ability to visualize is a skill. And there's a lot of people that say, I cannot do this. There are even plenty that say, I just plain never will be able to do this. So I do see we have a caller and we'll get to you in a little bit. Because I think this caller might be, because we also have a we have a show after this one that does readings, tarot readings. <clears throat> but let me get back to this, because this to me is important. You wouldn't write a book on martial arts and say, okay, now kick and go, you know, fight somebody. I mean, you got to practice, practice, practice. So, what about the visual uh, muscles, if you will? Folks, this is not complex or hard. It's just about doing it. I started the show off with a poem, which brings me to discipline mental exercise number one. Memorize four lines of a poem every day. Any poem. It could be a short, simple, simple one. It could be long, beautifully written and complex, whatever the case may be. Memorize four lines of a poem every day. Read it, close your eyes, memorize it. Maybe read it back, memorize it back to yourself three times. It's a five-minute exercise to help improve your awareness. Because paying attention to details not one of my skills, naturally, is something, in paying attention to each day, mindfulness, is something that can dramatically help a visualization. You can also start with basic awareness statements. Like if you're driving down the road and you find yourself daydreaming a little bit, 
just simply say, I am, I am here. Suddenly be aware that you're conscious in there. As silly and simple as that sounds, that also helps you to uh, perhaps have lucid dreams. Because sometimes you'll, you'll repeat that activity in your sleep. Sort of that when they say maybe pinch yourself when you say it or something, then you'll try it in the dream. And then maybe you become aware that you're dreaming. Here's another mental exercise. Again, every day, do this. Or, you know, every other day, whenever you remember to. I say multiple times a day. Walk into a room, any room. Some people say into a new room. I say any room. It still gets the job done. It could be your room. It could be the bathroom. It could be the one down the hall. It could be your work office. It could be a, a, a place outside that you, you like to go. And walk in, quickly gra- glance around, close your eyes, and try to memorize everything you can in that room. Sort of a mentalist exercise. Again, not particularly metaphysical. It's training the mind to pay attention to things and to help it see things in your mind's eye in the mind media player, the movie screen in your mind. There's another exercise, and this is just one variation. I think I just made this one up off the top of my head one day. After you've been at work for a while, you come home. This might be after you come home from work. You go through your routines and you start doing whatever your home routine is. Close your eyes and go, where are my keys? Or or where is my wallet? Something simple, something you kind of need with you all the time. Keys, wallet, maybe cell phone. But your cell phone you probably know because in the modern age people usually have it with them. <laughs> so we'll say keys or wallet. And then I don't want you to just visualize where the key or wallet is. I want you to visualize when you drove home and how it got to where it is. And if you're someone who's organized and puts it in the same place every day, fine. It's still a good exercise to do because sometimes we do different things. That's a, another simple one I just came up with. Um, again, these are simple awareness exercises. Walking into a room and trying to memorize everything that's in it. Close your eyes and try to memorize what you just saw. Making awareness statements. Just waking up, pinch yourself for a second go, I'm here. It reminds you that you're conscious, awake, and alive. Memorizing four lines of a poem every day. Trying to remember your path of what you did when you drove into the driveway or however you get home from work. and Where did you walk in? Where did you put your keys? Did you stop at the kitchen first? Did you come here? Did you go to the bathroom first? It sounds a little mundane, but it helps to train the brain a little bit. Now, let's get into the visualizing itself. Now that we've talked about training, and before these training exercises, we were talking about developing a meditation habit once, maybe twice a day. And I described a meditation technique that if you didn't hear, you can rewind during the archive. All of these are quickly archived. As soon as I'm done, the archive's there. You can listen to it, rewind, fast forward. You don't even have to sit there and listen to the whole thing if you don't want. Let's start with a basic visualization technique. Now we're getting into what, in your mind's eye, what are you what are you seeing it on? Another very simple question that I've heard asked. There's a book by Christopher Penzak. 
called The Inner Temple. And he says, actually picture a movie screen in your mind. I think it was a movie where they did that too. With Kevin Bacon. It was part of a hypnosis. Go online and find pictures of a really cool movie theater. Or if you have one near you, go visit one. Put that in your head. When you close your eyes and do a meditation, picture that you're always in that theater. This technique works great for some people. It's not one I necessarily use, but I have used it in the past, and I think it's fine. Uh, But again, back to research and development, go find that theater, whether you find a picture of it in a book, online, or actually physically. Really look at the details, maybe do the other exercise, close your eyes and try to remember what's in there, and then use that as your mental image during your visualization meditation technique. And then anything you want to, to, any quality you want, any result you want, see it on that movie screen during the meditation including your basic exercises. And now we start, now that we have our movie screen, we'll start with our basic exercises. A triangle. Draw a, or have one, or find one online, now that we're in that era, where you can just draw it on a piece of paper. Preferably, in a kind of hot or interesting color, maybe red, maybe a bright violet purple. Straw triangle, stare at it during your meditation. Look at it, put it at a comfortable place for the eyes, and just stare at it for a few minutes. Especially while in a calm meditative state. And do that thing, close your eyes and see it, see that triangle see it almost just burning into either just the blackness of your dream space in your eye or on that movie screen that we discussed earlier. And for a little while, just keep doing that once a day for a few minutes, no longer. Then upgrade it to a tetrahedron, a three-sided You could even maybe go right to a pyramid, right to a four-sided. Find a picture of a pyramid. Or draw one if you're good at that kind of drawing. (laughs) Or again, find a picture online. Now, close your eyes. Imagine that triangle turning into that pyramid. It rotates and it now has four sides. And then imagine it flipping upside down, turning all directions. This is when you become a little more advanced. It might take some time for you to get that, so just you can keep practicing on just seeing that triangle first, then the pyramid, then start flipping it all around, turning it, seeing every dimension, being above it, being below it, being alongside of it, all of that. Simple. It's just a matter of doing it, like so many things. This one is super easy. Pick up an apple. And maybe a little plate, one that you like. One that can fit more fruit than the apple. But for now, just an apple. Pick it up, look at it, study it, stare at at every dimension at it. 
look all around it, then put it on the plate and stare at it. Again, all in a like, somewhat meditative, at least calm state. Then close your eyes and try to picture that apple perfectly in your mind. Do this daily. And it can be a different apple each day if you eat the apple. No problem there. In fact, it might be better that it's a new, a new project every day. And do that for a little while. It could be any object. I just said an apple. It's one I've seen in videos before, and it's a very common object. It can be any common object, preferably about that size. But I'm using the apple for a reason, because then we're going to expand on it. After you advance from that, and you really see the apple clearly, when you're, and it doesn't take long for these skills to to start to, to suddenly you'll be like, oh, okay, because as you get into used to that meditative state more the negativity and doubts start to go away a bit more. They come from your ego and, and your daily stuff and your daily baggage. And eventually you start to be able to say, hey, this is my time now. Anyway, start adding to that fruit tray. At this point, you may not even physically need the apple there anymore, but if you want it, and if you want to add all the other fruit physically and you have it around the house, feel free. A banana, some grapes, an orange... And then eventually you, you've got this whole beautiful fruit tray display that you close your eyes and you can see it pretty clearly with little effort. Sometimes people don't understand that it is our negativity and our own bad feelings towards ourselves and others that can help disrupt our ability to visualize. They don't know it because they're not actually seeing it sort of happen and disrupt, I guess. What I mean by that is people interested in metaphysics don't want to spend any time with a negative image. Here's how I've heard it, though. It's okay to because you can have a conversation with your higher self, inner self, or even your deity, if you're taking it in a more pagan, deity-based way, and say, this is not, this is, a pra- this is a practice, this is to be working on something. I will announce an intention when it's going to be the real deal. And you can just have that conversation quietly with your eyes closed to yourself. Say, this is for practice, this is, I'm working on this. Some call it working on the shadow. So if you're trying to visualize something and it just doesn't seem like it's working or even something bad's coming into the image, ask yourself internally, say, okay, inner self, higher self, whatever terms people like, what can I do to fix this? What's going on or what's wrong? And if you just let it happen, oftentimes the images or something in it will change to give you a clue as to what's wrong and may even, if you're more lucky, start to correct. Instead of by trying to run away from the bad, now you're saying, what can I do about it? Say, look, this is work. We're working on this. And then I'll let you know through a statement of intention when it's the real thing. 
the inner self will help change those images if you ask. So we've discussed some very basic exercises on somewhere just on concentration. I shared a very basic visualization and a meditation uh, exercise and what some of the problems are that people have and why they can't just seem to get either into the right meditative state or why are the images not working out in your mind the way that you would like. Very common problems in the metaphysical community with individuals within it. And it's also important to note that the term visualization is only partially accurate because in truth, the visual is meant to be a trigger. It's meant to make you feel it. So if you really are someone, after practicing all these exercises and going through what we discussed, that still just can't seem to get that clear picture in your mind, then it's important to remember some are clear audio and some are just based on you know sort of feeling and gut feeling. And do the same thing, get into the meditative state, and then maybe hear conversations that are of what you want. Involve as many senses that your natural capabilities will allow into the experience. Feeling, sound, maybe even odor. Some people can sort of have really great scent memories, maybe even have a scent that reminds you of a particular thing that's effective for this working. So it doesn't always have to be visual, even though the clairvoyant aspect, the visual aspect, is highly effective as a trigger. And even if you are very good at the visual side, I still recommend adding, the, of course, the other senses. And because, in truth, that's what it's for. It's meant to make you feel it. Because if you're really trying to change something about yourself or something in your world around you, well, then you're not playing around. You want to really feel it. And though it's that serious, it should also be that joyful of an experience. Coming up next is Spiritual Insight with Darren Bouquer. My name is Daniel Michael. You've been listening to Main Street Universe, a show and network reminding you that the mysteries and possibilities of the universe are closer to Main Street than you may have ever imagined. We've been discussing visualization, though, again, it is about feeling, hearing, seeing, add audio, sound effects to your experience, whatever it takes, but your emotions matter in this exercise because it needs to be charged with that sort of energy. And that's the difference between practicing the visualization and then really feeling it and state state an intention. Now this is for real. Uh, that's why they say these things, you know, and and so it is and so mode it be and Bishay Ali and, you know, all that. <laughs> And don't forget to be thankful at the end of the whole thing every time, too. I'm Daniel Michael, and have a great evening. We'll be right back with Spiritual Insight for Darren Bouquer. Stick around. He'll be talking about 
thought forms, humunculus, creating energy beings. Can you actually create something that's an actual being that floats around in the universe? Does it have a will or a soul or, or an awareness of itself? Is it just a, a servant? We shall see. Stick around, and you can also call in for a reading. Darren is a tarot reader at Marie Lobo's House of Voodoo, the magical city of New Orleans, Louisiana. Thank you all. Have a great evening. We'll be back in just a few minutes with Spiritual Insight with Darren Boo Care. Forbidden archaeology, forgotten history, divination, magic, cryptozoology, UFOs, nature, science, and spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network.
everybody. This is Dan Michael again, and in a few minutes, Spiritual Insight with Darren Bucher will be on. While we're waiting, we'll play a song, another one by our friends, Woven Green, and this one is called Across the Bridge.
archaeology, forgotten history, divination, magic, cryptozoology, UFOs, nature, science, and spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Spiritual Insight with your host, Darren Bucher. Darren will be in in just a moment. Tonight we'll be discussing thought forms, servitors, homunculus, fetches, and the like. Can what you think about and create actually create a conscious being? Well, we'll discuss that with Darren Bucher when we return. Spiritual Insight with Darren Bucher, and I'm going to go ahead and turn his microphone on. Welcome back, Darren. Been a while since we've been on the air together. Yes, yes, it's good to be back. Um, having uh, some wonderful vibrations of spring in the air, especially here in New Orleans. It feels quite <laughs> temperate. Uh, feels quite inviting, and definitely springish. Um, getting through. Some of the St. Patrick's Day festivities, festivities here. Uh, St. Patrick's Day is about a two-week extravaganza here, um, or a week, <laughs> a solid week. Just keep, I did most of my like St. Patrick's Day stuff on uh, Sunday. Um, mm. So actually, yesterday I didn't really get too uh, leprechaunish, um, but uh, but you know, so that's over, and now we can focus on all the Eastern. One of the things I miss from living down south is there their tendency to respect that it is party time for a while. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's true. Yeah, it's definitely a southern thing. Um, <laughs> even on Easter, everybody gets very dressed up and eggs and chickens and stuff. It's crazy. <laughs> it's like, you know, I used to Easter, like, I mean, there's an Easter egg hunt or something, but you see that, I mean, I assume... And a lot of it's, it's like, you know, the gay community does it. But, um, I mean, everybody does. So they'll dress like a a yard. There'll be like a fence and grass and then there's eggs and that, that, that's their whole outfit. It's like crazy. Well, Lots of dress up going on in New Orleans. <laughs> Lots of dressing up. Lots Always of a reason to dress up. <laughs> Always a reason something is going. It's Arbor Day. I'm a tree. You know, like whatever it is. It's crazy. <laughs> right. <That's funny. laughs> mm-hmm. So, um... So tonight we're going to talk about creating life, um, or life forms, or commanding different um, spiritual entities outside of human beings. Okay, so nothing necromantic, but 
there are ways to, um, you know, ask certain like airy spirits or infernal spirits or watery spirits to just to kind of be by your side and help or go watch over people in a protective mode or all sorts of things, commanding those and, and, um, elementals. And then also there's the idea of the golem, creating life or an automaton that will do your bidding. Um, and then also the, uh, the idea of the homunculus and the, the creating life from, from the actual ground up. You know, and but both of these practices are are highly alchemical. Um, the golem itself is is um, can be really kind of traced back a lot of it to the Torah and then to the Talmud, and so it's it's um it's interesting. It's certainly interesting. I think one fascinating thing about this is how this can cross different uh, uh, lines, and what I mean by that is. There are written practices, different books, different old magic books. Uh, there's one lever something or other. I forgot the name of it now. Starts with a V. Just nasty, <laughs> if you will, physical alchemy of like you know using all sorts of blood and artificially inseminating a cow and then cooking this thing up in a glass, whatever, and then pouring it somewhere and then adding some more thing. And it, I, mean, it's just, I mean, it's a pretty long process and to physically create like this little physical life form that will walk around and do whatever for you. And there was a bunch of different reasons they would have them, including oftentimes to kill them for something. It was a little bit nasty. But this was old, you know, experimental alchemy, and I think some sometimes well, perhaps it was old, even a misinterpretation because some people think this, these are energy forms. But what, what, then you get into that, that it's purely thought forms, energy forms, beings of energy. And what are your thoughts on that? Mm-hmm. And when you're talking old, are you saying 14th century, 16th century? I mean, a lot of alchemists are, are, you know, late 15th century, early 16th century, because there was such an explosion of that. Um, but... We can go back to Alexandria, where this is this kind of calcination and and the process of the, you know, the chemical marriage and everything that was. I mean, that was going on in Alexandria, in in Egypt before the library burned down and stuff. Yeah, I believe this was at the time. The example I saw happened mm-hmm. to stumble across. Um, was when there was sort of you know a breakout of alchemy, and so you you had a lot of hacks too, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and a lot of explorers. <laughs> well, what you're talking about is the late 15th through the late 16th century. It's about a hundred years of of a lot of intense alchemical research and historians and you know a lot of that sort of thing. Hermes Trigonometrist, Francis Bacon. John D. All that jazziness. So, um, reportedly, John D. And of course, you know, I love like John D. But you know, he's actually been successful with homunculi and creating a small little person to kind of do his bidding, according to some people. And that's mm-hmm. why there maybe when it says Spanish Armada coming, um. Queen Elizabeth I could have possibly um, contracted him to create an army 
to battle and a fair amount of folks never got that far. That's fascinating. And suddenly, <laughs> you know what else is fascinating? That Spanish Armada never quite made it to dry land, did they? Oh, no. There's a big storm that wipes them out. Isn't that interesting? So, what about the mm-hmm. idea, though, like, mm-hmm. okay, away from... Yeah, the story I read, it was medieval. I'm, I'm guessing that's about the 1500s. And, of course, there was a lot of stuff around then, even though some of the stuff was frowned upon, but there's still um, some great examples. Some of the, some of the great alchemists, too, like uh, Formel and and others, mm-hmm. and uh, Cornelius Agrippa. And mm-hmm. I, I think I want to do a, an alchemist special where I don't just sit and ramble on them. I mean, on Main Street Universe, but I'll maybe find some authors that really specialize on the individual different ones, but that's something in the future I've mm-hmm. kind of wanted was do like a like a once a month pick an alchemist for for a little while and make that like a little series. But uh and Flamel they they think potentially found a way to live forever. Mm-hmm. And but yeah, but in the case of these humunculi that we're talking about huh? um um was it was it John D wasn't Faust someone that supposedly was able to make one as well in in legend? Yeah, there's a lot of legends that people created this thing. I mean, it's just it's just really hidden in, in secrecy, you know. Um, a lot of some of my, you know, I don't want to give anything away on the air, but there's a wonderful book called The House of Dee, and it's just about John Dee and someone inheriting his home, and it's just amazing what you what you find out in the secret. I can't really give it away on the air because it's it's the payoff of the book is so worthwhile, but um. <laughs> it's, it's, it's. I know. I really would love to, but it's. It's just kind of. You kind of. There's no point in reading it. Right. Told you. Um. But uh, you know, the, having created said object, and it lets really think about this in the 16th century. How would that be received? If you're like, oh, hello everyone, this is my clay, uh, life-infused clay object that I've turned into some sort of pseudo flesh that does my bidding. What would happen to that person? Yeah. Oh yeah, that it wasn't really a, a good idea because <laughs> you had uh, the Inquisition and everything else. It's shrouded in so much secrecy, and the thing is, it, it, you know, then then the people bring up the first word they think of is "oh, the devil," right? Oh, this is the devil, the devil, the devil, and it's like not about nothing to do with the devil. It has to do with taking different natural based elements and combining combining them in a said way, with also uh, visualization, um, you know, ceremonial magic, and uh, just calcifying them into a, a purely defined natural-based organism that is infused with life. And there's nothing diabolical about it. It's just, it's, it's alchemical. And the book I was quoting from is called... Yeah, what was the book you were quoting Liber vaxe, if I'm saying my my Latin properly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was I, I had stumbled across it actually. You know, you start talking about something, and then you mention it for the show, and then I happened to stumble across it while looking up something. Mm-hmm. I had also heard another thing, on the uh, of starting with a pumpkin, like a pumpkin was the flesh they would use. 
and there was one magician that would inject it with literally like a bunch of drugs and semen and put it through a, through like a ceremony, and and it like the pumpkin would be the, the I guess the flesh of this being. It would be what 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 it used because as they say, as above so below, as within so without. That's why people use blood too, or and semen is because they're physical things out of the physical body that are considered to have energy. But using mm-hmm. something physical, like you said, clay or a pumpkin, mm-hmm. is the, uh, I guess, the, the the earthy side of it, the, the the side that's also still necessary. Mm-hmm. Well, I would be, be fascinated to watch of, that experiment. <laughs> there has to be a container that takes on the characteristics of this life. I mean, there has to be, um, there has to be a very a vessel for this, and the vessel needs to go through transformation. Again, just a bunch of components with no real, you know, vessel there to take take on the characteristics of this. Now, the pumpkin is interesting because the pumpkin really doesn't have appendages. So I don't know what the... It might not have been successful. <laughs> it was just something I read well, somewhere that someone, I forget well, which, which alchemist, attempted it with a... With no, 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 I, and I'm not, I'm not debating that at all. Because it yeah. sounds like what they're going to do is use something organic. They want to use something organic. Clay right, exactly, something that was alive. It right. has a living, you know, presence. Mm-hmm. Right. So for them to use a pumpkin is not ridiculous. It just is interesting to me because one would, I would think, like, what's the, how's it going to get up and walk around? <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe they carved a face in it and were just expecting it to talk and stuff. <laughs> oh, well, that could be. I don't know. I don't the really know. Is not... But, okay, well, here's the debate. Talking is not what a homunculus or a golem... Well, we're not talking about golems right now. Golem is a spiritually infused, like, hollow shell. It's just infused. So right. it's not... The homuncula is... A homunculus is something altogether different. A golem of course, yeah, you're right. whatever it, it, kind they of construct... They weren't drumming up... It's made out of pillows. Go ahead. <laughs> just, just make a pillow going. You know, it would just go running around, hitting, causing pillow fights. But it wouldn't be like, you know what? I'd like to go to the market today and pick out flowers because it doesn't have any autonomical thought. Now, a homunculus could possibly have that thought, but it's also going to obey the, its creator um, indefinitely it's, or, or unreservedly. It's going to obey its creator and its instructions, but it still might have its own, um, you know, imaginative thought, or do you disagree? And Well, that would actually take me to my next point. A lot of people would have the question, so, okay, you've created this thing. And in this case, we're talking about the physical ones, and we'll move away from that in a little bit. But right now we're still mm-hmm. talking about the physical, you know, old mm-hmm. alchemist days of creating a physical humunculus. Mm-hmm. Um right. Uh, does this thing have a soul? I mean, it's walking around, it's moving around, it's doing stuff, it's master, well, that's, it's dater's thing. That is a good, very good question. And I would say I don't have the <laughs> I don't have the answer for that. I mean, that's been a debate for a very long time. Um, but I can say that I uh, I don't have an answer to that because I think that I'm, I'm equally divided on on. Which which way I would go with that one? Because I can yeah. tell you, um, it, it it it's it's a toss up. It really is because if you say that the, the okay the 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 elements that they put into this thing and the process that create that 
is pulling together and creates life, then if it has any imagination and free thinking, then it has to have a soul. Right. But then one, now if you're going to get into theosophical conversations and get religious about it, there is no way in hell that you and I could create anything. If you you and I were to take out a laboratory and work on this for the next two years and we're independently wealthy and somehow threw this together, one would argue, if they were theosophically inclined to say that, we couldn't put, we couldn't create a soul out of nothing, out of components and, and tin and shavings and mercury and all this stuff. We could not, and semen and everything, we could not create a soul because it's creating it. It's not pulling it from somewhere. It's creating it. Right. Now, the idea yeah, being, though, that since there is energy and, and, and that sort of movement and since everything is connected and alive, you know, saying from sort of, I guess, a, a new age or a mystic perspective, mm-hmm. then it would have the potential to be able to be autonomous. That would be another, that here would be the other issue then. Mm-hmm. Another issue could be, someone would say, well, let's just say we live in a world where there are like homunculi walking around, right? And everybody's no, used okay. to and saying, well, everybody says they do what they're told. Well, what if you trained one differently? I'm just saying, now, of course, this is, like, subjective to if they were walking around. Perhaps they had been used in such a way, but what if someone just happened to summon one and say, hey, I just want to be your friend, and hey, I'll, here, here is a book, I'll, I'll show you to read it. Yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> Did any alchemist ever attempt that? <laughs> If that makes any sense. Are you still there? Oh, gosh. I think I lost you, Darren. Hello. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. You're back. You're back. You're yeah, back. Yeah, I went back. to conference. Oh, again, I hate this one. I went to conference. So, um, okay, so basically this book, and it's the House of D, ladies and gentlemen, and it's amazing. Um, but I, I, this, is, this is the thing. You're with this character. He inherits this house. It was John D's house. He's walking around. He discovers all this crazy stuff. Weird things keep happening to him. And then at the end of the book, he discovers this manuscript, and he reads through it, and he looks at all the the, the flasks and the, the beakers and all this stuff, and he realizes he's the homunculus. Oh, wow. That's awesome. <laughs> he's the homunculus. So he's arrived. And he's been alive. But he keeps, like, the, I guess his brain shuts off every couple of centuries. And right, he wakes right. up and he's just in, a, like, a weird situation. He doesn't know where he is or who he is and what his deal is. And then he has to kind of relearn his life. And so he did that. So that's why a lot of the book is spent with this disoriented person who doesn't know what's going on. And they wow. have these, she has these shreds of relationships, but he's always kind of antiseptically not really involved in the relationship because he's kind of kind of cares but doesn't care. He's kind of like a little bit inhuman, a little bit like plastic about it. Hmm. And it's just crazy. I mean, like he wants, but he's like questing so bad to connect with something. And then he's like really skeptical about this old house and why, what does it have to do with him? And then it's like finds out he's a homunculus. And then... That's and a wild ending, though. I love that. I love <laughs> or, or that. Right. You know, Isn't that crazy? I love that ending. And I hate yeah. that I gave it away online uh, or on okay. on the internet. Um, but it's just an interesting, interesting, incredible book. 
Um, I've always, ever since I was a kid, and I've always, whenever I've been in, interested in magic and fantasy and everything, I, something about me, and I think not just me, I think a lot of people, um, mm-hmm. have always been interesting in in the beings that were supposed to be sort of almost human. It, this includes, though, you could take this even into into um, mechanical beings like Data and Star mm-hmm. Trek, for example. Uh, right. So, so, so aliens, right? Yeah. Yeah, or even Spock to some extent, uh, mm-hmm. the the fact mm-hmm. that he didn't have emotions. But that's a little bit different. But this idea of being almost human has always been fascinating to me, like the house elf in Harry Potter, where it's like, okay, he's the little slave elf of, of the the one, you know, the guy with the blonde hair, the mean guy. And, mm-hmm. and this idea of what is that like? Is that like you're kind of a autonomous being, or you are, but you're... Things have just been like in order a certain way, so you kind of didn't get the good end of the deal. <laughs> like, what is it? <laughs> uh, so are you just unempowered? I've always think that in between place, those beings, which probably is, and, 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 and to some cases, those beings are maybe very free, but they're still not very human, like the Fae or something like that. And in their case, they're well, not just like at all. In like they're, they're not, they're they're not smarter not, than us. Can you hear you know? me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. They're not they're they're free in the sense that they're not constrained by the normal rules that humans do. They have to be like emotionally reactive and care and all that stuff and you know, they're given a pass because oh, they're not quite totally human. So they can do act out, you know. Right. Be careless, be detached, do things that a subhuman would do or you know, when you say subhuman that's inferring that they're less than human. No, I didn't say subhuman. I said almost human. I think. I think. No, no, I said subhuman. Oh, oh, okay. Which, 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 which a lot of people would refer to a person or creature or whatever you would call someone like this. Subhuman or parahuman. Parahuman would be more. Subhuman they might use for a homunculus, but for maybe for a a fairy might be more. Maybe a little more rare. Fairy. Now I watched the other day. Um, at the night before St. Patrick's Day, I watched Darby O'Gill and the Little People, which was amazing. And I always loved that movie. <laughs> I forgot. I forgot. I haven't watched. <laughs> I haven't heard that in a while. <laughs> oh yeah, I haven't watched that in, in ages since I was a kid, and I just loved it. <laughs> so relevant, and so really indicative of the way fairies act. You know, they just they don't do what you want them to do. They trick you. They do crazy stuff. They kind of are nice, so they got your best interests at heart sometimes, and they'll turn around and do something totally ridiculous. And Darby O'Gill, what a great Irish name. (laughs) Have you watched it? Have you seen it? I think years and years ago, I remember it. It's It's so worth it, and it's so relevant. And then Sean Connery's like... 20 years old. <laughs> it's crazy. It's, it's like 1959. Mm. It's really yeah, I remember it was an older movie. Um, oh, yeah. And there was... I was having a discussion the other day about how even back then, even, even in, in the, you know, the 50s, the 40s, even the early 1900s when, when things... There wasn't as much or wasn't as easily accessible information on magic and mysticism and metaphysics 
but it was still there if you, if you knew where to look for it, knew where to find it. And it was certainly there in the entertainment industry. But they were still there. There were still mystical orders you could access. And it, 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 I've always been fascinated by that. Like, I've always been fascinated by the the, the mystics from the early 1900s and all, all that sort of movement, whether it be uh, uh, Manly Hall or, you know, to, to some other extent, Crowley, at least in a scholarly way, maybe not follow his actions, or Blavatsky and, and all those all those folks, you know, from from kind of the 1900s early era. It's like it was still there, just a little harder to find. <clears throat> so when you see an older movie that's sort of mystical or whimsical like that, I, I always think that's interesting. It's impressive. I, well, we're talking about Walt Disney. And Walt mm-hmm. Disney, my friend, was in search of Mystical Germanic objects of power in folklore. Do you know in Walt Disney? Now somebody told me this too. And this is my friend Raven at the damn store, right? So Raven's got yeah. hardware tattooed on her head. She's got like she's been working there for eight million years, and she's like, "Yeah, did you see that other add-on to the movie where it's all about Walt Disney going to Ireland and researching all this and getting into the 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 thing of the you know the legend of the king and all this stuff?" And I'm like, "Oh, Walt Disney went on a little fact-finding mission, huh?" Hmm, isn't that interesting? Did he go with Hitler, or did they take separate planes? He's like, what? I'm like, <laughs> you know, he was like in, in bed with Hitler on a couple different things, and she's like, what? Really? I'm like, you didn't know that? Okay. They were both in search for mystical objects of sorts. I don't know if he... He didn't feel the same way, like, politically that, that Hitler did, did he? I don't or know. Or was more interest in the occult? Look, I don't know. They're both interested in the cult. That's all I can say. I'm not saying it certainly doesn't make you an unseen <laughs> Look, I happen to. First of all, I'm one of the biggest fans of Disney. Growing up, I've always loved any Disney stuff. I still right. like Disney stuff. I still think that Pixar and Disney puts out some of the best stuff for kids or adults out there. It's really cool and exciting sure. and fun. But I love Germanic folklore. <laughs> that's you know, that's my thing. They uh, there's some symmetry there. And the fact that Walt Disney went on this big giant scavenger hunt for weird stuff, and it's highly documented that Hitler's done this, not just in movies and stuff, no, this really happened. So just make sure to um, okay. Interesting. Yeah, was, and, the, the movie is so well done because he did that research. And, and I honestly like think real. So that I actually think Hitler turned some of the knowledge on its head to, like, for example, the swastika is a reverse of the Norse symbol. He reverses to say, no, this is my way. Okay. This, this, that was one that it represented the universe and the wheel of the universe. He reversed it and made it his own thing, almost like, nah, it's, it's, it's you know, like mm-hmm. being very authoritarian mm-hmm. about it. So mm-hmm. he had his own strange version that he started to almost create. Mm-hmm. But that's a conversation for another day, I guess we'll get into it. But, uh, um, he used a bunch of, and now he took all the um, postmodernism, and he took uh, he took a lot of the Art Nouveau style, and he kind of tw- turned it on its head, and then combined it with uh, Viking iconography. Mm-hmm. And then naturally, Norse and German and all that. Are you still there? Uh, we lost you for a minute. But anyway, oh, yeah, so you're no, back. He, so he did all that. 
and uh, just really trying to look for these. And um, right, he was and, trying to get a sense of of like a nat- national pride and and saying, look, these were our ways and all that sort of thing. Okay. And, let, me, let me break it down like this. The church, you've always had to obey the church and just say, okay, we're not going to go look for stuff that could give us power, even though we have these mystical occult objects that could possibly shake the, the foundations of the geothermic place, the tectonic place in the in the, in the the earth, but we're not going to look for them because the church won't approve of it because it's not okay. Yeah, he's, so Hitler didn't care. Didn't yeah, he didn't care about any of that, and and yeah. he was definitely yeah, he fascinated. In fact, he was held back by by other witches in that famous incident. Remember, the, there's the the example of Gerald Gardner sending a wave of energy along with a whole bunch of other witches in England, saying, "You shall not cross this bridge." Now, who knows if it was the magic that stopped him, or maybe he got word of it, and being a believer in the occult, he went, hmm, maybe I'm not going to go there. <laughs> who knows? I'm going to err on the side of maybe the magic. The magic had it. Yeah. To do with it. They, they actually said... People he, are really trying to save their ass. They're going to pull out some magic. They're they going to pull out the spell, of, one hell of a spell. They did, and, and, and it temporarily worked. It worked for a little while, and... uh it was a famous, um, a fairly famous story. You can probably look it up. I think it was, I think, gosh, I think it was in 43. And mm-hmm. if you kind of Google up uh, German stopped by Gardner or something like that, or you, you might find mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And, in fact, there's a documentary about Gerald Gardner, hosted by Ronald Hutton, uh, that uh, I think he gets into it, and that one's fairly wonderful. And it's called A Very British Witchcraft. A very good documentary, mm-hmm. actually. Mm-hmm. And he kind of a documentary of Wicca and when it really was formed you know it was an amalgam of different things and and mm-hmm. uh, anyway but uh but it's a it's a it's a great story you oh, know sure. whole... it's, it's worthwhile and, and incredibly interesting I mean you know mm-hmm. who knows that even when you think about Gardner you think about the ascension of the blue book and how everybody was widely publicized and everyone referred to it as the you know witchy manual of sorts and how you connect with modern polytheism and that's what everybody thought but that happened in the 60s it did not happen in 1943 but that does not mean Gerald Gardner was out there stopping you know Nazi tanks and doing that stuff before the 60s yeah before he created what his version of um, uh, Wicca he was still a practitioner right and they said they got They, they, it was just that they they couldn't come out. He would put it in fiction. He called it High Magic's Aid. You know, it was a fiction book, or one of them. I forget which one was fiction. I, I actually haven't read them, but I'm, I'm familiar with them. Um, and and he would hide some of the ceremonies in the fiction, or or not hide, but it would be part of the fiction book. And then eventually he wrote nonfiction. But in Blue Book was yeah Raymond Bob Glenn, which was which was a Gardnerian spread out to America to sp- spread the word here. They were about spreading the word of mm-hmm. Wicca out, out here. And, um, and Buckland was his American contact with with the blue book that you talked about. <clears throat> right. But no one thinks that, oh, he was doing this stuff in the 40s during World War Two. You know, no one, no one, I mean, I didn't, you know. Right. Uh, I didn't really think about that. So I think anybody um, listening to this broadcast would find it interesting to check out that uh, documentary. Is it a documentary you want to talk about? 
Yeah, it was it was called it's um on YouTube even I think you can find it on YouTube and it was called A Very British mm-hmm. Witchcraft. Mm-hmm. And Ronald Hutton is the host. He's mm-hmm. Hutton's been an advisor on a few things like I think like History Channel and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And they sometimes talk about European paganism. And he teaches at I think he's one of the guest teachers at the Cherry Hill Seminary, which is a pagan um school. Like a like a mm-hmm. some kind of a, I think you can do it online and maybe even in person. Right. But yeah, there was that there was the notion of them being able to send a magical wave over and I remember I think it was something like the statement they just all kept chanting over and over again, you will not cross or pass or whatever it was. But it was them being all focused on the same statement was my per, was my intention. Mm-hmm. Um, did they have Ian McKellen working with them? <laughs> <laughs> He's probably well, alive. Gardner, then. They probably weren't wearing the long white robes. He was like ten years old. Out there, like you shall not pass. <laughs> He's like in his knickers and stuff, like a little lollipop. Like you are not pass. I'm practicing for when I'm older. <laughs> but uh, like I said, since it was Gardnerian, they, they they might not have been wearing the robes. <laughs> no, the yeah, my, probably not. <laughs> Who knows? No, 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 no robes at that point. <laughs> let's not let's not push it. Let's not push it too hard. And who knows what group got together? They said it was a. I don't know how large of a group they said it was, but it was fairly mm-hmm. large. And again, I wasn't there. <laughs> mm-hmm. But we do have a oh, caller here, Darren. Would you like to take a call? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Three, one, two. You're on the air. Hi, um, my name's Karen. I'm calling from Chicago. Hey, Hello. welcome, Karen. <laughs> um, I was wondering if you could see what you see for um, um, anything for a career. A career for you? Yes, yes. Okay. Okay. Um, one moment. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right, you want to take a look and see... What we can see for Sharon for clear. Oh, Karen, Karen. <laughs> Karen, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, okay. All right, one moment. Okay, sure. Uh, I'm not. I'm lacking a little buoyancy. In your search for, are you searching for a job or not? Because I'm, la- yeah. I'm lacking yeah. a little energy. Okay. Well, it's lacking a little enthusiasm or, or energy for some reason. Um, okay. If you hit a couple dead ends, it's because you need to change where you're looking and the method you're looking. Because it's not, I'm not getting any traction when I'm looking at your energy. Hold on one second. Okay. All right, I'm just getting the King of Cups inverted, so I'm really wondering what is going on as far as if, if, what relation, what's going on as far as a male and female relationship you have, what kind of dynamic you have, and, and your main, what is it love or, or what's going on? Because I'm getting some emotional vibrations that are not. Oh, oh, I, I do, I do like a, a gentleman. Um, okay. Uh, we talk, what's but the, um, is it solid? Is it solid, or is it is it is it upsetting? No. 
we're just, well, it's kind of like a friend. Um, we're just seeing each mm-hmm. other kind of, but it's been kind of difficult because um, his work schedule has been really, really okay. busy. So yeah, it's kind of like we make thing? plans. I'm trying to help you, and I'm getting the Ragnarok card, and that's not a good card. <laughs> so I want to say that he's just not... He's not ready to change his patterns to fit into your patterns right now. Um, That doesn't mean he won't be at some point. But you have to protect you, and you have to get the right kind of job that's going to substantiate you financially. And what you're doing is you're throwing all your energy down a well, and you're you're putting your happiness in someone else's hands, even on a minor level. It's causing weird vibrations, and you're not at your peak performance in this job search, and it just you need to kind of take a, just a step back maybe for maybe at least a week just to give yourself, let yourself regroup a little bit. Okay. I would say two weeks. And you could be, you could text him, be perfunctionary about it, but you can't depend on him to uh, to um, uh, react with you and, 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 you know, bounce energy back. Because what you're doing is depending on him to bounce energy back and forth with you. And if he doesn't, uh-huh. then that ruins your ruins your day a little bit the next day, and you're not at your peak performance. So now I want to ask if oh. you do this, if you do what I'm suggesting, what can we what can we expect? Okay, so hold up. Okay. All right, I can Ace of Cups. Okay, great, Daniel Michael, Ace of Cups. What do you think? Eight of Cups is the grass is greener on the other side. No, Ace, oh, of, Ace cups. of Cups. That's oh, amazing. Okay. Emotional explosion. So something exciting happens, and I would imagine that it's you getting a job that is just kind of what you're looking for. But you need to recalibrate your energy. Sometimes people don't know, and that's why this is always a good phone call to make. It's because people don't understand it. They don't understand what the glitch is. Like I've been interviewing and interviewing, and I'm calling, but people can sense when something's wrong. And don't want to right. hire a wounded bird that's not going to be at peak performance. So you always got to put out there that you're you're actualized, you're focused, and you're go getter. And if you're not putting that out there, then then I don't know what you're putting out. But but you got to switch that energy. And if you can, um, are you in a major? Oh yeah, you're in Chicago. Yes. yes. Go get up and go. I don't know where you're at in Chicago. Go to go to Lincoln Park and go to the Healing Earth. And ask for the owner, I forget her name, because I used to fill in there a little bit, and just do some meditation. They have transcendental meditation classes, and just spend some time, do that, you know, and just get back to you. I think it'll be really good for you. Okay. Okay. Okay, okay sounds good. Thank you okay. very much. And I'm excited for your new job. It's going to be good. I would say give it a month and a half um, at the latest. But if you really are aggressive about what I'm saying, I think you could space it down to maybe three weeks. But you got to be aggressive wow. about it. Okay. 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 Good. Thank you very much. I'm excited for you. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Bye bye. All right. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I thought you said eight of cups. <laughs> oh, oh no, I don't. Because oh. you're doing the grass is always green. I'm like, no, that's that's eight. No, oh, I know you, Mr. Yeah, it's a cup, man. That's a, you know what? Something I've been I've been isolated that lately. People are like, "What? Well, something's not working." And I'm like, "Okay, let me look at it." And I'm like, "Why isn't it?" Working? And mhm. I lost you for a minute. 
I asked, are you there, Darren? What are they, what are, yeah, okay. Okay, I you're asked, good. What, what, yeah, I know. that. I asked, what if they do this to change it? Like a direct, like, okay, something's wrong. What if they do this to change it? And the answer is, is totally the like ultimate like exact opposite of the answer I just got. Then we have a winner, right? Right. You know. You know if the answer is black, and then I ask, well, what if they change it? And then the, the answer is white. Then it's like, okay. That is right something track. that actually I like to do, and I was wondering if I like to do it because at first I was like, okay. Am I just being overly positive and wanting this reading to be overly positive? But I'm like, no, it's good to ask what can she do to change it. So I started doing that. I started saying, okay, here's here's the bleakness, but we're not set in stone, so what can we do to, to make this potential future better? So I think that's a very good practice in a reading. Life is not a bottomless vortex of of misfortune. It's really not. And if you're having misfortune, then there's got to be something you can do to alter them at some point. There's got to be. And, mm-hmm. you know, to just say that you can't and it's not going to happen is to, and that's ridiculous. That shouldn't happen. So what can we do to change it? And if I ask, what can we do to change it? And the answer is, this isn't going to work. So then that's not going to work. Then what else can we do? You know, and then when we find a winner, we find something that'll work, and that's obviously what we can do. And I do it all the time. I had a couple of really kind of unfortunate readings today with people that I had to tell them, I'm like, yeah, this is, you know, you're going to waste another eight months of your life, or you're going to, you know, I mean, they weren't good right. outcomes. They weren't fun to talk about. But if I say this is what's going to happen, but if you don't spend all your money in July, then you'll be okay in August. Just do that. Don't spend all your money in July. Don't go on a cruise and pound pina coladas all night and day. You know, just chill out. Yeah. It's such a good way to do a reading, though. And and I started doing that. I, I actually haven't done a reading in a while. I used to do reading shows, like, all the time. I mean, I, of course, I'm not a full-timer like you. But, I mean, I used to do them on the air a lot. And uh, I was really developing the habit of saying, Okay, what what do we do to change this? And one thing I didn't like about the the classical Celtic cross and some spreads, but not all, is here's the result at the end. Now there's nothing wrong with that, I guess. If then if if you're okay with flipping another couple of cards and saying, well, what do we do about that? And so I guess that's okay. Um, the Something about that feels a little bit funny after you laid down the whole thing. But, and I think spreads are great for, for learning. I think they're very effective learning tools, actually. I think they can be really nice for when you're learning the the, the cards. <clears throat> yeah, but, uh, yeah, like that, 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 that card, that result card in the Celtic Cross is so ridiculous. I mean, it's just stupid. God, I mean, I don't understand who thought, hey, this would be a great idea. I mean, is it the person that just can't do readings and wants to, like, fool people or just can't? I'm going to give vague readings. Like, okay, here's how you affect your environment. Ace of Cups. 
That means you are vibrant and emotional and you affect people by putting out your emotions and feelings and feeling other people's stuff and da da da. Okay, great. This is how your environment affects you. Uh, three of wands. It makes you want to strive for the next opportunity and da da da. And then the end result is nine of swords. It's it's a little mechanical. In fact, it's very mechanical, isn't it? It's it's uh, uh that's why I say it's, it's almost more like a training yeah. for, for training for just for looking at a bunch of cards, basically. Um, for me, what are you? Okay, okay. Let's say you're my client, and I say this is how you affect your environment. This is how you affect yourself. This is how the past affected you. This is how the future affected you, and this is your outcome. And it's nine of swords. What would you? How'd you feel? Yeah, exactly, because then it's like, okay, well, now I'm missing well, concentration and nightmare about Michael, everything. You know, don't know what the Nine of Swords is about. Say it for the audience. Oh, yeah, I was saying and that's that's like constant worry and nightmare, and you're feeling like you're overburdened, overwhelmed, even to the point where it's yeah. affecting your your subconscious and your dreams and everything else. It's a, it's a, it's an unpleasant card of worry and despair and depression, victimization even, you know, I, I would say. Yes, victim, yes. Nine swords going through your back and you're crying in your sleep in the in the brighter weight. <laughs> yeah. That's not yeah. a good place to be, really, at the end. No, no, that's not good. And that's your outcome. Okay, have fun on Bourbon Street. Have a time. I'm glad you came here for vacation. Bye. Be sure to drink really? more. And granted, we don't want to take anybody away from the dark side either or the lessons you can learn from it. What we're talking about is then asking it's the question, bleak, what do we do bleak, about it? That's a bleak way to say what's the outcome for your your reading, what's the outcome for your life is, is you know. Working through despair. the shadow but not ignoring it, basically. Mm-hmm. And also, I'm going to tell you another thing, what's almost as bad is the outcome for your reading is the Ten of Cups. That's misleading, too. Right. Oh, the Ten of Cups. Because you have choice. Oh, euphoria. And family values and love and appreciation of everyone else's feelings and everyone appreciating my feelings and euphoria, beauty. Wow, that's amazing. Oh, yeah. Tell somebody that, that their outcome for their life is, is Ten of Cups. Right. That's going to be a disappointment. Because remember, <laughs> also, the Ten of Cups means that it might be ending soon. <laughs> it's the end of the... Yes. So it's just going to yes. start over at one. It's going to start over at one. You know, it's 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 all you know. You can't just give that big giant like vague like here it is. Here you That's go. the here's other your, side. Your... The other side is yeah, like you're saying the 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 bliss readings and some readers that are fakers. That's what they do. There's mm-hmm. two different types of fake readers. One, it, and I'm not hard on let's, readers. Okay, I, I've known many that I think are totally genuine. Yeah, but go ahead. Go ahead with but, but here's the two. F- that I see are the ones that are fake. The ones you just said, the bliss bunnies or whatever, that everything's you're wonderful, you're awesome person. All these cards here say you pretty much kick ass and everything. You know that they're slightly lazier fakes. They just want to get by and be happy, and they just want to give you a happy reading. I know, hey. pe- I know people that take negative cards out, and by fake, I mean they might actually have an intuitive ability, but they just don't want to look at anything negative, and they don't want to give their client anything negative. It's just weird. They'll even take cards out. They're like, oh, that's a negative card. I don't, I don't think I want to use that. And they certainly won't read reverse cards. It, it, it's just... It's, it's, it's that's a, like a double-headed coin. It's yeah. not okay. That's not okay. 
No, it's not. The it's other not, one is not, there are people that are constantly, they're so negative that they want to remind you that they're, it's the other side. It's too negative without an answer. It's it's just constantly, I don't know, again, when I say fake, I don't know if it necessarily means they're fake. They're just of a way I don't agree with their practice. Well, it's the doomsayers, and the doomsayers is you, you're not going to be a doomsayer. Now, let me tell you this, because I do readings. I did a lot of readings today. Okay, mm-hmm. I did phone readings. I did readings at the store. I'm doing readings right now. I'm do. I did a lot of readings today. Did a lot of readings I got yesterday. You. Do a lot of readings all the time. So let me right. tell you this: it does not fun to be a doomsayer. If you are a doomsayer, there has to be a point to it, and it's probably to either intimidate or scare people. And what is what are you going to gain from that? And they either think that the client has to keep coming back to them to avoid the doom. That might be it too. Yeah. Like, you better come back because you're oh. fucked. <laughs> I guess that would be, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, that would be a good way. <laughs> but it's, but, but I it's also so- am saying not even just, I'm not even saying fakes. I, maybe I shouldn't have said that. Because I do believe that some of these people in both of these categories may have intuition and, and actually believe in what they're doing. But they're taking an approach I don't agree with. I'll say that perhaps. They're taking an approach I definitely don't agree with um, on both sides, the too light and the slightly too dark. you gotta, you got to have a, hey, we're, this is to work on things, right? This is to work and to build something and to, and to, and to progress, hopefully. We know a lot of people don't actually take the advice, but, you know, but that's the purpose is to progress. If you flip a couple cards for yourself, it's because you want to know and progress. Or for your friend or your buddy at a party, or if they do for you, because you know if you get readers together at a party, uh, at some point, if they can take it, because they're probably not in the mood to do one, but if they're intoxicated enough, they might flip a card or two for each other, and it's it's usually very genuine in that environment. You know, it's very like, hey, we're oh yeah, 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 I need I need to work on that. Yeah, you're right. You know, it's, it's, that's the whole point. I need to work on that, like you just said, asking that question very intentionally. What does this client need to work on to take that negative answer away at the end of that Celtic cross? <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, let's, let's just take that client, for example, right? I mean, I want her to be okay, right? Well, what, you know, she, I can't be like, whoa, you know what, you're screwing up. <laughs> you're not going to, it looks pretty like you're not going to get any traction on finding the Because that's exactly what it looked like. But then right. I said, well, what can she do to turn, what's the problem? And I yeah, did ask her a question, on? and that helped me isolate what could, she could probably do. And then I asked it, and it said, yeah, she does this, she'll be all right. And then we solved the problem, and she goes on her merry way. She doesn't have to call me 85 times. She doesn't have to do anything. She just has to do what I told her, and she'll be fine. And go about your life, because I don't have time to talk to her anyway. <laughs> right. I really don't. You know? So please go on your merry way. Um, I still want a lot of clients. I want to keep being busy, but... I want people to get better. Positive right. energy. So I receive positive energy, and I don't do the opposite. And that's that's all I can do. I try to help people get whatever they need and whatever's positive for them. If they want something that's, that's not positive, I'm going to it's not positive. It's about a service of doing it properly. Yeah. Service means you're serving people. You're helping somebody. You're not mm-hmm. getting yourself off because you want to tell somebody what to do. And you think you're cool. That's not, not a good. 
But speaking of service, let's drift back a little bit into our conversation. We, we only have a few yeah. minutes. Um, I mean, you were talking oh, about yeah. thought forms. We we went mm-hmm. specifically a lot to the physical aspect, which I didn't know we were going to do that, but that's kind of interesting. Those physical homunculus mm-hmm. that some of the great alchemists have claimed to have um, created and had walking little beings around. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people think there were literally metaphors, some think it was an actual story, some it was a legend, some think it was reality. Uh, some think it's just energy beings. It, it, and you can even take it to a lesser level of just how thought forms can come back to you. What I mean by that is something like you can say, you're so used to saying, like, I'm hungry, I'm hungry, I'm hungry at a certain time of day, if you have a regular schedule. And some people I've heard say that thought form comes back to visit you during that time of day, a different theory. So there's a lot of things about thought and thought creation, and but we're talking specifically about creating a, a little being. So what about the idea of a spiritual servitor, or what some people call a fetch, like some witches call that, like a fetch, go get me this, I, I, I make you out of energy, not out of anything physical at all. If you want to talk about fetches, we could talk about fetches. But if you want to talk about an elemental servitor, which still goes back to the alchemy thing, these people had airy spirits, they had watery spirits, they had... And yeah, you could say fetches, but fetches are a little more diabolical because they're really... I mean, I don't know. I guess you can split hairs, but yeah, they're all servitors. The airy spirits and, and that sort of thing... Yeah, like the servitor is a fetch. I, I view a fetch as like almost like a servitor. <laughs> Well, but again, could that fetch, energy being have a fetch, a fetch rolls into the whole idea of the imp, and you know, fetches are for witches, right? Right. Or are we debating that? No, I, I when I see, when, when the word fetch comes up, I think more specific witchcraft. You know, right? Well, that's my point. We're not yeah. we're on the same page. Okay. So when I say a fetch, we're talking about a fetch, and we're talking about witchcraft, and when we're talking about a silver, it could be anything. Pretty much serving anybody. Hello. Just a thought form, basically, like a an advanced thought form. Well, in another book that I've read, the servitor was um, and it was an airy spirit, and it was like a little kind of a little bit of a, a little tornado with black energy kind of crackling around it that could see and watch. They call it the watcher, and it would just be commanded by, and it would just go wherever it needed to go and. It could do things and attack if it needed to attack, and you'd only see it as a, as a, dis, um, a disbursement in the air, or maybe the leaves kind of get caught in its kind of little vortex. And I've seen this. I, I always see. like this little um, leaf whirlwinds you see. <laughs> mm-hmm. But go ahead. I'm and I'll sorry. tell you what. You know there are ways to call such a thing, but let me tell you, do not piss it off because you'll be the first person that turns on if you don't obey the kind of rules of summoning such a thing and right. commanding it and, and dealing with it and treating it to the because it doesn't want to be it doesn't want to have to do stuff for you. <laughs> it really doesn't. That's like saying if you had a really powerful big so, giant So that is more summoning than creating that. You wanted, what? So that's more summoning something than creating it. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, we're we're talking about we just included that in our in our theme. Okay, well, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, yeah, that's not create. You are not creating an elemental theme. 
you're conjuring them, and that's not free. Matt is magic with a warning, too, because I don't recommend people loosely or experimentally summon things. I think they should study before they engage in what they summon. Uh, Do you agree? It's a really bad idea. Yeah. Like, don't experiment. Well, I if I maybe <clears throat> I maybe if I really had a use of, of such a thing that I want to go watch and, and report back to me and watch people and tell me what they're doing, then I would employ such a thing. But I, I <laughs> curiosity and fun. <laughs> I'm just that saying, was I, I, I probably could handle something like that if I wanted to put the effort into it, the research and the the actual energy into doing such a thing. But first of all, if I have something to spy on somebody else, that's obviously not karmically okay. And I have to have a really good reason. And it would have to be a life-changing event. It would have to or be even reason for others, perhaps. It's one way to look or at it. Or even what? A reason for others. Like you feel like it might serve others. Yeah, I would never do that for others because they wouldn't be able to control it. I could only guarantee that I could be able to do something like that. I couldn't. What I meant by that was you were summoning it maybe only for a a positive reason. So I said, well, maybe if that positive reason is to others, what I meant. Not for them to try to control it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, no, that would be, yeah, that would be good. I mean, it it all depends. I mean, it's all stuff that that I, you know, I got to say when, you know, if you don't try it, you don't know. You can do it or you can't do it. You know, I'm just saying, but I'm, you don't want to try something for no reason. You'd have to have a reason to try it. Clarity. Tell you that really it's good, major clear graduated. That's majorly graduated stuff that you don't try that for no reason. I'd have to have like 10 people trying to kill me for me to try anything like that. Yeah, I, I would. Like, I, don't, I don't summon things. Literally. I don't. I read high magic in books, but I don't. I don't practice it. I read it in a scholarly way, what, if you know what I mean. Do you need to? Are, are you in trouble? Do you need something like that? Like, I'm, I, I'm not in trouble. I work yeah. my butt off, and I help people out every day, and I do pretty decent, and I don't really need to summon an airy spirit to go do stuff for me. I just don't, you know? Right. Um, I'm what not that kind of... So I'm an ambitious person, but I'm not that ambitious that I would go to such methods of calling some arcane elemental energy to do whatever nefarious weird stuff that I need, I can probably handle that on my own. Now, if somebody is nefarious and they decide, okay, this is a really important thing and I really need to do this, then maybe they're probably going to end up screwing it up and they're going to get in trouble. And when you hear these stories about people and bad things happening to them and the occult involved, that's probably what you're looking at a lot of the time. I've always felt that way that to be careful when you're engaging in the the summoning of other forces, like using your own mind to to bring things about and to do working, and or using nature, using you know plants, herbs, using your visualization, having the protection of of a higher spirit or whatever one you believe in or ones that you believe in, is to me that's what I feel comfortable with magically. And using techniques because we have some power too, and then we invoke deity properly. And I've never engaged in summoning something. 
You know, I, I'll admit I've read about it, like I said before, in a scholarly way, but not I've never engaged in that activity. But I've also been curious about, is that is that like even like spiritually rude? Like, are you bothering someone? <laughs> are you bothering somebody? Oh, yeah, you're bothering somebody. Yeah, yeah, like, do you want me, you want me to what? Hey, I was over here in my genie bottle, and you, you know. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we're we're out of time though. But yeah, you know they don't want to. We are. <laughs> and you're pissing them off, and you better be ready for that. And when they get a chance, they're gonna screw you, and you just can't give them that chance. That's the whole point. You got to be in control the whole time. And very and educated not, and very confident. Yeah, well, they've been alive, alive. They've been have had consciousness, whatever you call it, alive or whatever. They've had consciousness centuries and centuries and centuries old. So maybe thousands and thousands of years old. You don't know what you're dealing with necessarily, and that's why you got to do your best to know what you're dealing with. And then once you do, you better think about not doing it because it's probably better. <laughs> but again, right, I'm going to say this: I have invoked a lot of different deity forms for a lot of different reasons, and right. I've been thanked, and I've been respectful, and I've had great interactions. Yeah. So. It's another form of invocation. Um, I just don't think it's a good idea for anybody to do unless you have absolutely no recourse. Um, people that decide to do it anyway are usually, you see there's a, a news story about them, and it looks like something like domestic happened, but really it's it's a lot of their stuff flew up in their face. But at any rate, so that's the moral of the story. Be aware if you're going to engage in creating life or summoning life. It's really hard, and it's really hard for a reason. So, um, anyway, I want to thank Daniel Michaels for uh, co-hosting with me this evening on Spiritual Insight. This is Darren Buchanan. Saying good night. If you want to reach me at dbucare at gmail dot com, you may, or contact me at Marie Laveau's House of Voodoo on Bourbon Street in New York. All right, and Darren, do remember that. Yes, we are. We went a tiny bit over, but all of this will still be in the archive. And remember, we get way many more archive listens than live, so okay. they'll 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 hear the information. I it just I should start linking your email. I think maybe right to the show page too. That might help. They could, if they're hearing, they could just click. So anyway, thank you very much. Mm-hmm. We were talking about uh, life form creation and a little bit about summoning and the dangers of it. It's a little different than invoking deity, and with the respectfulness and the and the offer and the and, and the sacrifice. Mm-hmm. By sacrifice, I mean um, not in, in in a bad way. <laughs> and uh, however, everyone, thank you. It's been spiritual insight with Darren Bouquer, and thank you again, Darren. Great to be on the air with you. It's been a while. Yeah, no, this is fun. We'll do it next week too. All right, thanks Absolutely. everybody. We'll talk to you next week. All right, bye. All right. You've been listening to Spiritual Insight with Darren Bucare. Have a great evening, everyone. Forbidden Archaeology Forgotten history, divination, magic, cryptozoology, UFOs, nature, science, and spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe.
Radio Network.